This is Brooklyn Dunn, and right now, I just want you to clear your mind, open your ears, and come live in the moment with me. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Live in the Moment with Brooklyn Dunn. I want to start off this episode by paying my respect to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who recently just passed um, due to complications with cancer. She was the leading voice for gender equality, women's rights, and civil rights, and just more. That woman, her drive, her presence, her intelligence, everything that she stood for is pretty much unmatched. Um, It saddens me that she's gone, and I know it saddens many people, but... Everything that she did, I'm, I know that we're all grateful for. So I want to send my condolences to her family and to the ones that were close to her. Right now, it is Sunday, but when you listen to this episode, it will be Tuesday because I am trying to keep to my promise Um, And my commitment to my podcast and posting episodes every two weeks on a Tuesday. I'm happy today because I had a very productive day Um, for me. I just edited my first video on iMovie on my iPhone. It's not much, but iMovie is like one of the apps that I don't use on my phone. It's like one of 12, possibly 13 apps because iPhone has a lot of apps that are almost just useless. But this one I decided to Um, put into use today. So I'm really proud of myself for doing it. I'm also thinking about um, creating a YouTube channel for my Black and Small Buys with Brooklyn Dunn videos. Um, I've just been posting them on Instagram for the time being and also on Facebook. But to have a bigger platform, I probably should create a YouTube channel um, just so the platform that I want to give the black owned small businesses that I purchase from um, each month or every few weeks, the reviews that I give to them and the posts that I make so that they can reach um, a larger audience. So that will be in the works. I'm going to have to invest in a camera. There was a purchase that I made from a black owned business and the item that I purchased came with a thank you card that read, Like a stone tossed into a steel pond, your contribution is making waves. This came from a shirt that I bought from a business called Sustained 8. And I wanted to post about my purchase, but instead of just posting about it, I thought I'd interview the person that started Sustained 8. Her name is Najwa Womack. She is a DC native and was also a fellow Peace Corps volunteer in the Eastern Caribbean with me. So I was excited to catch up with her and just talk to her about what Sustained Aid is and why she started it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Najwa. Hey, Najwa. Hi, Brooke. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. I just like finished a workout. This guy I went to college with, I think he lost over um, 100 pounds. I don't know. I think he weighed like around 300 something. I think he lost over 100. So he has slimmed down a lot. So now he's trying to do fitness training. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, he can help me out. So I 
um, I, I'm like, I had this podcast interview scheduled with you. And I was like, well, let me go ahead and work out for 45 minutes with him. I'm going to eat and then I'm going <laughs> to jump on this call with you. Um, so, I mean, it's like, I always feel good after a workout, but uh-huh. my knees are not happy with me right now. <laughs> I was trying yeah. to run down the stairs to get food and my knees started wobbling and I had to catch myself. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, but the knees are very important. Like, so please, please sustain your knees. <laughs> yeah, it's because I think I haven't worked out in a while. So, okay. um, you know, and I wasn't doing excessive stuff. We did high knees, we did squats, and we did lunges. So I think it's just my body was just thrown off because I haven't worked out in so long yeah, that I, I started. And then I was trying to, like, rush, and it was, like, slow down. Mm. Yeah. Did you shock? It sounds like you might have shocked your body a bit, but we're all still very young to just really break into it. But yeah, you you can definitely shock your body. Like like what was happening? You know, I think that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, yep. girl. I mean, when my knees started wobbling, I was like, wait a second, grab the banister, walk slow, <laughs> and then I was like, I think it was like sometimes I try to rush through a lot of things, and it's like okay. I need to learn how to slow down. So it was one of those times where it was just like, slow down, bro. <laughs> Are you breathing? Um, Yeah, through the um, workout, I was. And then it's also remembering breathing through your nose, out through your mouth, and through your nose, out through your mouth. But it's just like trying to figure out, or it's like, do you, on the heavy part, do you breathe in or the breathing out? That's the part that I get mixed up on sometimes. But mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah. And that it helps the oxygen part. Yep. And definitely. But yeah, so what have you been up to? Oh, wow. Just um, keeping myself calm through all of the changes that are happening on different levels. Um, I know that, you know, what we see with the, the current uh, COVID and you know, a lot of changes with jobs and financial shifts. I have really just been taking the time out to feed myself. And and by that, I mean, read, like put myself on a schedule to read and do yoga. My water intake has really increased and it has helped me actually, because with anxiety, I, I have experienced a lot of anxiety, but I putting myself on this schedule of reading drinking enough water a day in yoga. I'm telling you, Brooke, it's been, that's what I've been up to, just really sticking to that pattern. So that's yeah. really good for me um, because I stress out easily. Um, reading has always been an escape for me. Like when I was younger, my grandfather would always tell me that um, I loved to read books more than I would play with toys. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, when I was overseas, I wasn't reading as much. And so, because I would, I like to read and I also crochet. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's like, um, so because my mind isn't wandering, like I have to focus on this one thing that because I'm only focusing on this one thing, I can't focus on anything else. So it calms me Mm -hmm. with, um, there's a book series I've been reading for the past eight years now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just catching up into it and it's so good. The um, author has two different series that she just blended into the book that I'm reading right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, so it's like um, I read it on my lunch break 
or like my break while I'm at work um, so that, you know, because I'm stressed out at work, it's like, okay, this is my me time right now. Let me read this book. And then I'm calm. And then, you know, I go back into work. So I do that, um, come home and try to crochet. And Uh, I I need to get back into yoga and um, really just breathe in and out i'm trying to get into drinking tea come on now um, so <laughs> because for me i'm i'm a caffeine head um my boyfriend says that i'm addicted to coffee um i call it love <laughs> um i was when i was overseas i would drink a cup of coffee in the morning and a cup of coffee in the evening Um, now I limit myself to one cup of coffee a day, only in the morning. If I feel myself getting tired, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna drink something hot. Let me go get some tea. Mm. So, um, I would say that's not bad at all, Brooke. Like just two a day and you discipline yourself to one. Yeah. I kudos. You're, you're, that's not bad at all. I think you're doing great. Yeah. I think a part of it though, is like, even though I love coffee, um, it also, um, it's calming for me where it's like, if I get, if I see myself getting upset, I'll go drink coffee and oh, it's wow. one of those, um, quick fixes. And I'm like, I can't allow it to be that because it goes from being something I love to something, um, a coping mechanism. And that's not what I want. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, one cup in the morning and then let me go drink tea. So my stepdad, um, he likes tea. So I'm trying to bond with him by <laughs> finding um, different teas. And to be honest, I didn't know there were so many different teas. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a business that I bought called Teatopia that I bought. Um, it's based out of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And um, I bought it and it's loose leaf tea. And they had, I mean, I don't even know. I think they had like maybe 10 different types of teas, but it was like a bunch of teas within those sections. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I thought it was just green tea. You got white tea. What's yellow tea? I'm like, I'm so used to like peppermint and, you know, maybe some lemon, honey, ginseng or something like that. The tea bags you Mm -hmm. get at the store Mm -hmm. that getting into loose leaf tea. I was like, okay, let me just, you know try to do this so yeah i'm definitely trying to get into tea and just you know finding things that calm me and Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's what i'm at right now finding things that make me happy so it's really good that you're finding things that um help you with your yoga like for yoga is that something you do when you wake up in the morning or like that's fresh out like after i brush my teeth (laughs) i try to get the breathing in because um I, yeah. So yes, every morning. And when I can't do it at the same time, I'll usually move it up earlier, um, rather than later because I like the feeling of being like, you know, you're, when you breathe in earlier, actually when, if you, if you breathe, when you do your exercises, because oxygen getting to your muscles is so critical and, and affects the way you feel. So if I can get that in the morning, like that stretching my day is pretty much stretched or more flexible, if you will. I speak in a lot of metaphors as well, <laughs> but um, so yeah, so that in the morning is like you, you wash, you brush your teeth, stretch, and then you get breakfast. But sometimes I hate the monotony of schedules, but I also see the beauty of yeah. getting yourself used to or you, at least your body, because your body is a whole language interpreter. Are you? It's like a 
like you can throw things in it and it processes, or that's what I mean to say is a processor. So, um, you know, but we lead the way with our choices. So I, I try to stay disciplined. It doesn't always work, Brooke. It doesn't always work, but. You know what? Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to do that at least because I have a yoga mat, at least get up in the morning and stretch for a good five minutes because I'm, I work at a call center. So I'm sitting for a majority of the day. And oh, the okay. only time I'm walking around, I have a 15 minute break where I walk around the entire parking lot. Mm -hmm. um on my break so at least i have some type of movement uh -huh. um and then when i get bored at my desk you know i will stand up i'm like i feel like it'd be weird to like just like randomly squat uh -huh. but um i will start stretching and somebody would be like are you really stretching like that and i'm like look i am stiff uh, you hear something pop and it's like okay so i need to stretch more so i mean that that's you know i really need to incorporate that in my routine mm. but where are you from exactly? Okay, yes. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Washington, D.C. Okay. Um, so the nation's capital. <laughs> I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. Um, I grew up in different, which in the city you call quadrants. You have Northeast, uh, Southeast, Southwest, and Northwest. So I grew up in Northwest, but most of the time it's been Northeast. So, yep. Washington, D.C. <laughs> I've only been to D.C. once, and it was for my eighth grade <laughs> a graduation trip. Oh, wow. But, yeah, yeah, that was only to, you know, you walk past the White House, and I don't even remember most of what we did. But, I, you know, I need to travel around the country more. <laughs> there's a lot of the U.S. I have not seen. Brooke, you have to come back so I can show you a good time. Even though everything has changed, you know, you, it's still possible. You can still rock out. In, in Washington, D.C. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take you up on that sometime next okay. year. Okay. Bet. Love it. Book, like, put it, like, put it in the back. Put it in the back of your mind. It's back burner. That's what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. It's going to be on the back burner. Note to self. Nacho's going to be the tour guide for D.C. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Okay. It's so okay. funny um, because I haven't done some touristy things that tourists come here and do. Like, I want to ride the double-decker bus something that DC natives never do, but I want to do it like just to see. So I would totally do that with you, Brooke. I have never done something like that. <laughs> I don't even know if we have that in Chicago. Like I'm from the South side of Chicago, oh, but because we moved around so much, it's hard. Like, I feel like I can't really claim a side of Chicago because my parents are from the South side and I was born on the South side. And then um, I was there up until I was five, moved to the South suburbs, came back to the South side. And then a few years later, we end up moving out west, and then it's north, and then it's out west, and then it's west suburbs. So it's like, I'm just all over, but I'm still from the city. But it's like, there are things in Chicago that I have not mm -hmm. done that I want to do. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was in the Caribbean, um, a church that I went to, the pastor apparently studied in Chicago. So when I told him I was from Chicago, he pretty much told me all the things that he loved to do. And it's like hearing somebody um, say that they loved something about Chicago versus all the negative right, things that you right. hear and see on the news, it warms my okay, heart. Okay. So I was so happy about it. But I was like, you know what? I'm like, can I go be a tourist in Chicago? I've been thinking about that. My mom, her and my stepdad, are, um, or usually we go on a trip 
um, once a year, a family mm-hmm. vacation. So last year, you know, they um, we all flew to Barbados to spend Christmas, <laughs> Christmas together. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this year it's like, because of COVID, they're like, well, maybe we shouldn't go anywhere, but she's been itching. I was like, well, let's go be a tourist in Chicago. She's like, I don't want to be a tourist in my city, but it's like, yeah. why not? There has to be something. Right. Done. And it's a whole uh, right. another perspective because residential DC and the attitudes is different from, you know, monumental. I like to say monuments where people come here for It's totally different. And it actually is a little more picturesque. You know, I like to like when in my free time, walk around a national mall or this is a park. It's like a huge park is what it is. So it's a lot of space, but, um, yeah, DC is is a gem and it's full of so many things. So yeah, let's definitely link um when the time is right. <laughs> so Right. It's probably on the summertime or something, like a good weekend. Oh, yeah. I don't For know. Sure. One of these days, most definitely. But so today I wanted to talk to you about sustained eight um can you tell me about it and when did you start it yes brooke so let me break it down and try to flow with me because the concept is it it meshes it is alive that's that's what i mean to say it's like i'm i'm affirming the meaning as i build it and i am definitely still in building stage so to start sustained that is a play on the word sisters in the word sustained. So I just like really took these two words and, you know, redefined it in the sense of taking two things in my life that I have an appreciation for. One is my sisters. I have three sisters and I love them. They uh, are really kind, generous, uh, you know, lead leaders, uh, and I love them as women. So there you have sisters. So the word sustain or environmental sustainability is also a passion of mine. Like I remember being a kid and always wanting to dig up earthworms and just like really admiring earthworms. Yes. Did you play with the roly polies? Yes. And actually, oh, what? I think we, did you call them roly polies? Yes. Yep. I do. I do. I know another name for them. They're called pill bugs. But I will always play with roly polies and earthworms and, and like insects that I would find and millipedes, believe it or not. I mean, those are a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> they're, you know, like, you're playing with millipedes, what? But um, yeah, so I love things that have to do with nature because that is a way that, you know, with all the anxiety and things going on, when you go into nature or like gardening or whatever, it just really has this thing it has this effect on you. So I took both, mashed it up in one patty and has got sustained, right? So the number eight, it it's it speaks to continuing the work that's needed to improve, number one, the relationship that we have with the planet. And then two, the relationship we have with ourselves. Because I feel like those two things go hand in hand. So continuity in the number eight like people use the the infinity symbol a lot. I see it a lot. So that is what the eight is um, attached to and sustained. So to see the sustained eight is an affirmation that I am aware of female empowerment and what it takes to 
influence people to think about the future and now. And it's all that, you know, it's like I said, it's all coming together, but at base, that's what sustained eight is. It's a journey. Right. It, it, that's what it sounds like. It's definitely a journey and it's growing. Absolutely. And it sounds like you're growing with it. Oh my goodness. You are so right. You hit that right on the head. That's that's exactly what's happening. When did you start it? I think I've really started to pay attention to it a few months ago with your posts. But when did you, is this something that you started this year or has it been in the work since last year? Oh, this? Oh my goodness. Maybe four, four years. <laughs> but see, Brooke, I am so like, I don't want to say shy, but I, I would, I have a tendency to doubt myself. Like, this is not going to make sense to people. This is not, this is not, I heard a lot of not, nots for myself. So four years, I would say, yeah, hold on, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, probably four to five years. Yeah. And I just sat on it. But I'm like, you have to move now. So, um, yep. I want to say it's about four to five years now. And I think it's so important, these messages to act right now. You see a lot of action on the globe right now. So I feel like it's time. So that's why I, I chose Sustained Date. Um, but it's been a minute <laughs> that I've been dealing with this concept. But just recently... I want to say maybe in the past six months, I put the pedal to the metal on like, you know, pushing it out and letting people see this. So the vulnerable, the vulnerability piece is out now. <laughs> so Okay. Okay. So I'm proud of you. You're really just pushing forward and it's good. It's such a good thing. I mean, honestly, what may, um, what made me want to interview about it is because I'm, I don't see it. Um, you know, I, I hear about, um, I did an internship on the South side of Chicago where, um, it was for free spirit media, where it's basically, it teaches high school students how to do, um, news videos uh -huh. and teaching them about journalism. And because I got my major in broadcasting, I was like, you know, teaching kids about something that, you know, I liked. I was like, okay, this is dope. And at the center I was at on the South side, I believe they had a garden. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, that was like the only thing, but I haven't seen community gardens. Like I, you know, you see it on TV, maybe YouTube or something like that, but to actually see you doing it, I was just like, oh, okay. This is something different on my timeline. This is cool. Like, okay. So pull that onion out of the ground. Okay. Let's, let's see, you know, seeing it on Instagram as well. Cause it's like, I see you on Facebook and I'm looking at the videos on Instagram and I just wanted to know, like, how, um, okay, so you've been doing this for the past four or five years. Um, when did you get into agriculture? Okay, yes. Um, so a part of uh, my upbringing, I grew up in Atlanta um, and was down there for three years. And I remember just always being outside. And um, we had a very, um, a very nice Hispanic population in my, the area that I lived in. And I just remember they were always in land or they had like grow we were growing a patch like food just on a patch and i'm just like okay that's cool but then later on as i grew a little older i started to pay attention to people in my family that were into agriculture and then that's when it really locked in for me so my grandmother bless her soul she made her transition like 20 years ago 
Um, I wasn't even 12 yet, but she had, again, a patch of land and she grew so much food in this small amount of land in her backyard. And I was like, grandma, like, why do you have so many turnips? Like she would just grow so many turnips and collards. And she was like, oh, it's just right here, child. Just look at this. I'm just like, oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I think that those two things, like being outside as a kid a lot, I was just always fascinated by, you know, what you could find, like all the insects we spoke of earlier, roly polies, earthworms, like they're so fascinating to me because we are all in the same planet together and, but they have a function, like they all do things and they have their own world. So yeah, I would say when I was young, uh, probably not even 11 yet. And so seeing family do it and seeing community different cultures and community do it that's when it started that is really dope though and i'm pretty sure your grandmother's looking down um well um i don't know what your beliefs are but for me like you know i'm pretty sure she's looking down on you from heaven and just seeing like you know what she started in her backyard turned into a something that her granddaughter started as a movement because that's Kind of how I oh, see good. it. Like, is it, it's almost like, is it a movement? Is it, um, an organization? Is it both? Um, I guess that's a question. Like, is, is it both? Um, is this something that you're just taking and, you know, spreading it to others saying, Hey, this is how you do this? I and- love this question. This is wonderful. Um, you know, and as this unfolds and I grow with it, yes, it is definitely, a, it's so funny you ask if it was a movement because I recently told a photographer that's what Sustained 8 is because I'll think of it as a business, but all the, the you know, there's a lot of pieces that have to come into play that, you know, gives you a, a well-oiled business. So that's, you know, Hopefully <laughs> I'm have to learn. I'm learning a lot, but that's building. But right now to get people excited, yes, Brooke, it is a movement. Sustaining is totally a movement. And um, because if you looked at the page and the videos and you were inspired and that connected, you know, made you connect the dots on something else you witnessed in your life, bam, there it is. I want people to start, you know, thinking and it it, it is, inspires people with a magical dust, you know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, it's a movement for real. That's what it is. To be, to be honest, the reason why I was saying, I was um, watching your video so much. Um, there's a woman on Etsy um, that sells kits for plants um, and she has um, herbs that I think um, you can grow inside uh-huh. the house. And so it's different types of things that you can grow. And she has these biodegradable um, pot right. holders that, and she, it comes with the seeds and it comes with like a tray, it pretty much comes with everything you need for like $45. Mm. Um, and it, everything is pretty much worth the price. And I was like, man, I want to buy this. And I was like, but where are you going to put it at though? That's <laughs> what so I'm thinking. I'm like, okay. And I have a friend that um she like sent me a picture on Snapchat and she was trying to figure out what type of pot holder she should use so she could become a plant mom in mm-hmm. her house. And I'm like, oh, like seeing you with that stuff. I'm like, well, what can I grow inside <laughs> the house? It's like yeah. making me think. And um, so did you 
Um, is there like a community garden that you work on? Yeah. Um, yep, there's been several that I've worked on um, in here in the city. And there's one that's very close to me uh, near where I reside at this moment. And it's, I, I basically helped build it out in the sense that I improved the soil. Um, so we had to do a lot of soil improvement before like quality vegetables could be grown on that site because it was this weird thing before I even arrived. And this was a site that I actually volunteered at, but then I um, got really involved for like 10 months straight. And I just, you know, was working on cover crops and compost and things of that nature to help improve the soil. So, so that was at one site. And then the second site that I've been working at um, and when I say working, this is me in free time, weekends, in between work. I, you know, it's funny because before I flew out internationally to teach, I was at this site uh, composting with the DC government uh, programs and stuff. So um, I, yeah, I find really? so many things to do. And I'm like, yes, this is what I want to do. But so now that I'm back, people are calling on me again. So I'm reactivating things. Um, in nearby garden spaces. And it's been great. It's been like uh, people who I didn't think would be uh, interested. They're coming out and yeah. So it's, it's for me a reactivation, but at the same time, I'm learning so much in the process. So yep, community gardens is where I do my, my stuff. <laughs> okay, so when you were talking about the soil, um, what was the, what is the importance of having like, um, I don't know if quality soil is the word, um, but in order to make sure that the crops or, or the plants are mm -hmm. growing, um, what is the importance of the soil? Because when I think of soil, I think of, oh, you just put mm -hmm. dirt in a pot and then yeah. it should grow. Yep. Um, so you can totally do that. You should take, and I know a lot of people who recycle their soil, put it in a pot, boom, boom, that plant will do great. Um, but I think that the soil paying attention to the quality of soil or the health of your soil comes into play when you want to, for when you want to optimize. Um, so optimization comes into play, like doing it the best way. And then also for sustainability, that means that when generations from now, or maybe a generation from now, what is the person going to have to deal with? Will their soils be depleted? And um, I'm speaking in between things. Um, when I say in between, I'm talking about gardening, which is more aesthetics and is small scale. And I'm also speaking about farming, which is more larger scale. So soil quality really matters in farming operations. But when you're gardening, you can scale down. You could put amendments on things, but it's not as critical as it is when you're growing food on a more mass scale. So that's where it comes into play for me. So composting um, and soil quality goes hand in hand because there is this thing where you can take your food scraps and recycle them or regenerate them and bring and like bring it back. And what happens, Brooke, is that it's so chock full of nutrients that it literally goes into your soil. Now, compost is a soil amendment. It's not soil, but it helps to improve the soil. But you have nutrients that go in and fix your soil like a doctor and it makes it better. So when we're talking about floods and soil erosion and a lot of issues we're seeing on the planet, 
there are things where, or there's instances where compost can step in and, and change things like, you know, and I'm talking about when you have pathogens, disease, soils, compost will, you put that on your soil and allow it to settle in, girl, should be fixing, just fixing whole <laughs> growing operations. And then when that happens, you get a better quality tasting uh, product. Your, your, your cash crops, they come out, you know, because organic food is not all about, um, you know, size. You know, it's it's about, you know, the quality, how it tastes. Did you taste that tomato? Did you taste the sun warmth? Did you taste the, the sweetness of it? Did you taste like that's what organic material like compost can do for your soil? It, it'll really, you know, regenerate it. I, I feel like I'm talking so much, but. No, no, you're not, because you just answered my next question, which is uh, what is the importance of composting? So you already went into it. But um, my next question after that would be is because the composting is so important, is that the reason why you sell those um, buckets? What is Pre-compost sustained eight buckets. Absolutely. Yes. So everybody who supported okay. us with a shirt. Thank you, Brooke. Um, everybody who supported us with in. But previously, we, did we have another uh, product? I feel like, oh yeah, shea butters. We did shea butters. You sold shea butter and yeah. I missed out on it? We're bringing it back for the fall though, because. Okay, so you gotta keep me tuned on that because I would definitely buy the shea butter. I love using shea butter in my hair. So I'm looking forward to that. I saw the t-shirt and I was like, okay, let me get this t-shirt. Bet got an afro <laughs> on it. Me, you know, go ahead yeah. and rock. Like I wanted to rock an Afro when I took a picture of myself in the shirt. So the next time I wear it, I'm going to definitely nice. throw it out. So then I'm matching the sister's home <laughs> the front it. of the shirt. But, but yeah, is that um like because of the, um you know, composting is so important. Is that the reason why you started with those buckets? Is the funds from the selling of the shirts um, yep. Did that help you design the bucket? So oh, I'm definitely okay. trying out my hand in the creative creativity aspect with products. And I know compost and shea butter are totally two different worlds, but I can say that my audience right now are mainly, you know, African-American women between the ages of 18 up to 50 plus, you know, so those are products like, like again, for your, for hair, your natural hair, um, the shea butter does do wonders, but um, yeah, but the shirts really helped because I was able to brainstorm, you know, because money, money is, I have this thing with money, but it's, it's a type of relationship though that we have it is, you know, that needs to be maintained. And, but anyways, I, I use it as a stepping stone to get to these buckets and the buckets came in to basically have people to think within the urban setting, let me reroute my food waste. Now, again, this is not a farm. It's, it's more, I'm seeing more people in DC, you know, do their own gardening and it's really cool to witness, but the buckets are basically speaking to people in a fun way. Cause they're really colorful, it's purple and green. And it just says, Hey, don't throw that in the trash. You know, that's that's that start to just think about what we're throwing away and the the next direction this could go into becoming compost. Now I just I know that it doesn't 
sit well with everybody just to have food scraps in a bucket. However, for the people who are taking the effort, because all of this is is effort, you know, to grow into a sustainable mindset, you're basically teaching yourself, you're training yourself. So that's all it is. So with the buckets, yes, it's all about training yourself to know that this this can become compost. So I call it pre-compost because it's not compost yet. It has to go through a scientific process to become compost, but it's still gold at the end of the day, if you think about it, because you know what it's going to become. So my customers are definitely getting that uh, mindset and that's success for me. True success. Well, for one, I want to comment on is that, you know, your demographic. So it's good that you're selling progress, um, progress. (laughs) You're selling products. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, You're selling products um, that your demographic is going to gravitate to, which means that you are going to get the sales that you need and the support that you need. Um, So I was going to ask, you know, where did you get the, where do you get your funding from? So you've done shea butter, you sold the shirts. Now you have the buckets. Um, And how much are the buckets? Right now they're keeping them at 35, but they are going to be 42 soon. And that's because I have to, I have to re-up and I'm telling you, I have to really consider some things, but yeah, they're, they're selling for 35 right now, right now. Okay. I was looking for, um, when I saw the bucket, I was like, wait, we went from shirts to buckets. Okay. And then I see the logo on it and I got really excited. I was um, seeing your um, video when you were t- um, putting leaves yeah. into um, the bucket. And so um, I guess my question is, um, what is the science? You said that there's a science that has to be done in order for it to become compost. Yes, what ma'am. I'm glad you asked that question. Um, so there's many ways to compost your food, Brooke. Like you can take it through, um, let worms eat it, earthworms, or excuse me, that's red wiggler worms. You can use fermented uh, product to break it break it down. But what I focus on or sustain date is something called hot composting. So in order for hot composting to work, you need four elements. And this here's the science. You need air, you need water, you need carbon and you need nitrogen. So the nitrogen in this whole process is your food scraps. Everything that you're basically putting in the bucket, whether it's banana peels, strawberry endings, celery butts, all of that stuff, that gets processed as nitrogen. When you see me with leaves, that is the carbon. And I love shredded leaves, particularly, Brooke, because when they break down with the nitrogen source or your food scraps, it has a sweet smell. And I don't think anything else can, can kind of compare to shredded leaves. And I say shredded because if you keep leaves whole in their whole leaf state, they will mat. And you don't want matting to happen, or at least when the, the food breaks down. So yes, the leaves, I put them in the bucket because when people throw their food scraps in, I wanted to create like a uh, 
like a, a miniature science that's starting already before they dump their bucket. And that's basically the carbon is marrying the nitrogen. So the process is starting. And also, if you take leaves and sprinkle it or mix it as you collect food waste, you the stink factor will be much less, uh, you know, depending on because that's what turns people off the most about, you know, collecting food scraps is that the smell. And I totally get it. So leaves help. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I was going to one one question that I have, Um, because I saw in one of your videos, the top of it is not just like a regular top that you just put on, like you put it on and you twist it. So it, does that keep the yes, smell in? Uh, pretty much. So in between you open in the bucket, you know, you the and granted the leaves are doing their thing and a little, with a little moisture, sometimes you may need to add water so it can cook. But yeah, that's a, called a gamma lid a gamma steel lid and it really does keep everything in. Uh, say if you have your bucket in the back of your car and it tips over, you don't have to worry about juice spilling out or any products because there's a ring that goes around the bucket that has to be attached first. And then you take that spin top and it just locks it all in. So yeah, it does. It keeps it stored nicely. It does. Okay. And then my second question, um, if, do you get the leaves from like a certain tree, a certain bush? Does it really matter or are you just, just collecting, collecting leaves? leaves? And it's usually, I don't know, it makes me think about that, what type of trees these are. But um, here in Maryland and in D.C., uh, it's, let me see. As long as the leaves are brown, when you get like what's considered a dead leaf or when they're brown in color, that's that's the perfect material. So I'm really all about, as long as it can go through a shredder and it's brown and there's no moisture in it, you got a brown material. That's it. Okay, so it can't just be leaves. It has to, um, what I guess not be... Clear alive or okay okay so that makes more sense because guys i was wondering i'm like right now like we're dealing with um fruit flies and it's like we're at the end of summer and yet they're just <laughs> coming out of nowhere and so my mom is like you need to put the food in the bag and then go throw it away don't just sit it in the garbage because now i have to deal with these flies and they bought um my parents bought an electronic um it's a lid the garbage can itself is two sides one is for trash the other side is for recycling and then if you hover your yeah. hand over the lid, it opens the issue is is that because it's motion censored you walk uh, past it it lifts up and sometimes mm -hmm. it does not close. And so because of that, now, um, you know, the fruit flies or flies will get in. So now I'm wondering, I'm like, this will probably help us out. You know, we get the bucket and just start throwing the food in there. But I was wondering, I'm like, okay, so then what yes, do I do with that afterwards? That's where <laughs> I am trying to encourage. And it's, it's, it's different for everybody. Like, um, your access to a community garden or your access to like a wooded area, because you have, I have some customers who are like, I'm taking this and I'm not interested in composting it, but I'm going to dig up a hole in the woods and dump it. 
and that serves as their conscious of doing something good for the planet. But then you have people who just like, Najwa, can you please take this off my hands? I don't want it. And that's when I'll get it to a community garden. But yeah, before you buy a bucket and you collect your food waste and everything, it is good to know your plans for it. And I know that's such a, a, a reach, you know, like in some aspects, it's, but I can't think of any other way to kind of thrust people into like just doing it for themselves and then seeing what works. Because I mean, before you walk, you got to crawl and it, it, it's going to play out like different for everybody again. So um, it just makes you think like, where can I take it? And do you have facilities like that in Chicago? Like how, how's the setup? And I know I'm asking you a question. Um, Oh, no, no, that's fine. Um, I actually live an hour outside of Chicago in the West Suburb. Um, I don't, I'm not familiar of any community gardens. And I guess I need to be more connected to community because um, where I live at in Aurora, like I didn't really consider, we moved out here my um, senior year of high school, but I didn't consider myself living here until like December 2014 because I had already left for left for college so only thing I could think of was Chicago but I don't know any community gardens in mm -hmm. Chicago or out here so that actually makes me think that you know a way for me to get attached um, to have a connection to the community um, <laughs> um, is to you know find a community garden because right now I'm trying to patron um, small businesses and that's kind of a connection um, to um, as far as community out here for me in Aurora, but I need to, um, yeah, that's something I need to do. I mean, we, there is a trail not too far from uh, my house, but we will mm -hmm. walk, but I mean, it's getting ready to get cold out. Cause that was like a, another question, like with it about to be winter, yeah. um, because it yeah. snows hard, you know, <laughs> I don't know how it is in DC, but Chicago, I mean, it gets, it gets a bad and, because I'm in the suburbs, you know, Chicago mm -hmm. doesn't, you know, shut down for anything. You know, they can have snow plowers. They'll have them on the expressway <laughs> to make sure people are working out here in the suburbs. So they get the main streets. So you're screwed on for the side streets. So now I'm wondering, okay, so what happens when you're trying uh, to compost during the winter? Um, How, like, you know, how does it work with community gardens when, you know, you have these weather, um, like different climates or weather okay. elements, you know, happening and whatnot. Uh, I apologize. Um, so I, guess, I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt you. Um, when you, during the winter time, hot composting can definitely still happen. As long as you have your elements of, again, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and water balance. But um, it, it will take, to continue it during the winter, it would take you having your own space. And when I say space, a backyard space that you can monitor and you can revisit, you know, and it's kind of like a baby you have to kind of pay attention to because compost requires you to turn it. But I've seen in the dead of winter, and I can probably send you a video when I get a chance, but a compost pile covered with snow, when it's opened up, steam is literally coming out the center because the science of the cooking is still happening no matter what's happening externally. So um, it's natural during heat or when it's hotter outside for the microbes to speed up their decomposition. Or excuse me, they eat the food quicker. The breakdown happens quicker. That's just natural. I feel like even humans, we slow down in the, when it gets cold. 
But when the summer comes out, we all, I want to do this, I want to do that. It's the same thing on a microscopic level. But to go back to what you were asking, having your own space to really monitor it over the cooler months is probably the best. And I know that's, again, presents a lot of challenges, but um, I know, I know there's facilities because I feel like the country is long, I mean, with everything that's happening is also uh, a green economy that's on the way as well. I mean, if we don't get it together, I don't know when, but um, people are thinking more sustainably. And so that will probably be natural to, to decide what you do with your food waste. Maybe in the next two to three years, it'll be commonplace. So, yeah. You know, we, I mean, my parents own this house but and we have a backyard. I guess for me, it would be something that I would, like, you know, we have a good enough space and my stepdad actually planted a tree. And so he's into growing, um, you know, tomatoes mm-hmm. and the herbs and whatnot. Oh so my I'm wondering goodness. if I could talk to him about it to see like in the backyard, um, if we could compost in the backyard. So that's actually something I could talk to my parents about. Cause I was like, maybe I could dump it somewhere else. And I was like, you idiot, you have a backyard. Mm-hmm. It's not my backyard. So of course I need, you know, permission from my parents, but no, totally. yeah. No, Brooke, okay. I I think that you should, and I would love to keep in contact with you as that unfolds or, you know, progress is made there. Um, Because the, oh my gosh, I'm so excited right now. Oh, um, (laughs) so when you begin that process, Brooke, you're going to notice, you're going to be like checking in on specific things, like whether you're, okay, whether you have a pile or you dig an actual hole because people do what's called like lasagna composting. They'll put a little dirt, they'll put the food scraps and dirt on top of it and then bury it and they'll come back and everything has broken down. But what you have, you're able to grow a tree, flowers in that spot and they'll perform so well. So if you create that, like you either digging up spots and putting your comp, the comp pre-compost in there or if you're actually creating a, a live pile, that's something that I'm encouraging people to do. You will get payoff. Like, and I always tell people you you're building your earth credit score and whoever it is in your family growing the, the oregano tomatoes, they can use the compost to improve whatever they're growing. I know tomatoes do very well with compost because um, every uh, vegetable or fruit has its own alkalinity uh, expectation. So like blueberries, like more acidic soil, but something like, you know, lettuce or eggplant, they, or eggplant actually likes more acid, acidic soil, but there's certain things that like more alkalinity, but um, compost helps to balance it all. So Brooke, I feel like you could definitely be an ambassador. to create, you know, that culture with your family and your loved ones. And if there's a house in your family, go ahead and do it. You'll just, I don't, I want to say so much right now. I can't get it all out, but I think it's something good to to invest in. Even if it works out, if it doesn't, I'm just going to be really optimistic when I say, I think that that will totally work. Okay. Yeah. Now you got me thinking like mm-hmm. wheels are turning in my head. Like, okay. Um, I'm definitely going to talk to my stepdad about it today. 
Um, cause we were actually, when, um, I bought the tea from the company I was telling you about, they, um, it's loose leaf tea, but with the loose leaf, it wasn't shredded. Like you, when you main, when you buy loose leaf tea is usually shredded. It wasn't shredded. Like it was almost like they kind of took it off trees uh -huh. and kind of broke it up by hand and then put it in the bag. And so we were, I was like, you know, how do people actually make loose leaf tea? And he's like, man, I could just go like my stepdad was like, man, I'll just go plant something and make my own tea <laughs> instead of just buying it from other people. And I'm like, <laughs> But what if we really did do this though? You know, just <laughs> now this like okay, so Will's attorney in my head, definitely. Um, I did mm -hmm. have another question for you. Um, because I was wondering how does someone start a community garden? I don't know. Um, do you know how the community gardens that you are um, uh, in so touch with how they started? I have a little background on one of the sites. Um, and it there's just it is actually goes all the way back to the seventies. So to start a community garden, I, I think it's something that could be done, but you really have to dig into, um, government, local government, local community. You have to really see the relationships and really put yourself out there and show that you're interested and then come with the purpose. So it's all about relationship building. But again, for in DC, um, uh, there's plots of land that's owned by park service and, um, you would need to check in with them before doing anything. Um, but I think the first step could be gathering the people who want to join you because community gardens are work. There's a lot of elements to it. You know, there's even things you have to consider like bees. I see people like have bring in bees and bee management so that their plots um, can be well uh, pollinated because bees, the lack of bees is actually an issue. But so the first step to start a community garden is get together with the people who want to help you. And I want to say four good, three to four good, concentrated, focused people can do it. They can pull it off. Next, you're going to have to sit down and do the research about who operates what. And then next, forming the relationships in the community because it's usually people who've been living around for 50 plus years and they know they are like this was owned by this this was passed to this but this bill says that you have to do this if you want to like they know everything so you got to get out there and and connect with people so yeah but in dc the government is like dc government you have to really be in touch because um, one of the sites are actually managed by dc government so just know who's who. Okay, then now that makes uh, more sense. Um, my last question for you I wanted to ask is, um, I do see that, you know, with the videos, when you start talking about, like, you know, how to compost and you were putting the leaves in the bucket, um, how exactly are you really teaching people about composting and about agriculture? Because um, it wasn't just the leaves in the bucket video I saw. I think it was one where you pulled out the an onion um, <laughs> from the ground and I was just like like just random things to watch like were you watching an onion like, <laughs> but it was just like it was one of those hmm 
like one of my down moments where I was just like, this is, this is interesting. Like, how do you do that? And you were like hunched down on the ground and doing it. And I was like, okay, so this was a productive so much, bro. I appreciate you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, so for me, the way that I teach it is to make the connections for people. So compost, like I explained earlier, that means you get really good taste in food. And I don't know about nobody else, but I love food. I love eating. Eating good food is at the center of a lot of what or how I stay calm. Like, I mean, I do my breathing. I try to get my water in. But when I eat good, Brooke, I'm feeling good. So that video is me at a community site. And I actually administered the or planted the uh, garlic uh, that previous November. Oh, it was garlic, not family. They're in the same family, which <laughs> oh, called right. it's called the alium there are alliums, allium family. So no worries, and it looks similar. So no worries about that. Um, but yeah, so this is garlic that I'm pulling out, and I had planted that. Um, and it was like, ooh, I might have picked that day a good, uh, oh, I want to say forty cloves, or oh, not cloves, bulbs. But it, um, but I think like that's how I begin to teach people is that when you have this really good soil, you, you grow good food. But compost is basically the starting point um, because you, you got to deal with your soil. If you're going to grow anything good, shoddy, deal with the soil because the science, the science of your outcome is in the soil. So um, by demonstrating that through pulling food out of the ground, People are, they, they are like fascinated, truly fascinated, like how you felt about it. And even how I feel now, like I look at the video, I'll go back. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. You know, but that's what the connection is. And when you, when that light bulb goes off in your head, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. My hand is in the soil, but your hand can be in the soil starting with what you do with your food waste. So that is the connection and how I, I teach it. Now, if I'm dealing with a more faith-based group and people speak to me about concepts of God and how God will restore, God will renew, I'm like, yes, exactly. And I'll make that tie in. Like, that's what compost is. There's a renewal happening or is the art of renewal. And then people be like, oh my gosh. So making those connections and then getting people inspired and then they're attached to it. Like, and then you'll hear, I think I saw a commercial or some kid like doing his project and he wanted to teach about compost. So I'm starting to hear about it more and I'm like, okay, this is good. This is really, really good. So, um, yep. Making the connections and inspiring people to be attached to it. How do you do it with kids or like, you know, teenagers, because sometimes it is hard to reach, um, get through to teenagers. Like they have to really be interested in order, um, you know, to want to do something and that goes like pretty, pretty much like anything. So are you, um, are there like volunteer groups or outreach programs or like something where, you know, they're bringing people to come in to help out with the community garden or is it more so like who's ever interested in the community? Okay. Just comes in, Great question. There are website. partners with each of these spaces, um, that I've been in and witnessed and yeah, they do have, um, summer youth programs, where and then they have um youth programs and when i say youth anybody from i want i've seen babies out there but like 3 to 14 and 
what happens is there are well-designed short or brief classes on like, let's cook, you know, because again, eating or eating really good food is at the core of people coming together. And, but children, I find it have the most zeal and they are the ones that go, go back to their parents or their other family members and, you know, speak passionately about what they witnessed. So those are the, the actual foot soldiers in the whole thing. Um, so children and or teenagers that can be more like, I ain't doing that. I'm not going to be in no dirt. What would I look like? You know, I think when you tie art into it, like I'm a big, and you'll see more of this, but I'm big on performance art. I had, um, it's so funny when I was teaching abroad, I had the children like doing rhyming, like, like rapping. And it was so funny. Yes. Like, yes. And it was, it was really? so amazing. I think that's my performing, art, performing arts background too. Cause I went to a performing arts school here in DC, but it's like inseparable for you to get people to be really attached to it. So I like to use music. I like to use a lot of call and response and that usually wakes people up. And if they see that you're interested in them learning about it, you know, you usually got them. Um, I went to a community garden space and there was uh, young African-American males. Like they had to be 14, 13. And they, they just looked, they or they were like totally into what I was doing. You know, because people do like to use their hands. These, the computers are fine, touching stuff. But when you're out in the soil and really interacting with nature, again, you just, you'll find that you get, you know, carried away and you're, you're in it. But the teens are the ones I feel that can use a lot of it. Uh, the regeneration that comes with being out in, in nature. So once they settle in, they're like, okay. But, you know, you do get some people that's like, it's too hot. I can't do this. This stinks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that definitely does happen. But younger children are usually excited. Yeah. Well, that's really good. Um, I want to leave with one thing. Um, my question um, for you is, mm. how do you live in the moment? Ooh, how do I live in the moment? The thing that just came to my mind is through breath. A deep breath always puts me back at point zero. Breathing. Yep. <laughs> Living in, living in the moment, yep. Because it reminds Breathing. me, here I am. You are alive. <laughs> exactly. It's just focus. Um, I do that too. Whenever my mind just starts going to other things, it's just like, Brooke, breathe in. And I take a deep breath and I'm like, you're here, right here in this moment. Now, whatever is happening in your head, but you're right yes, here. Yes. So yes, breathing is a good way. Um, to live in the moment. But okay, well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. This was a very interesting conversation. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that, I mean, I really just didn't know that now I do know. And now I'm like, okay, so where's a pot yeah. and some soil? Or let me go find the shovel in the garage and dig like a small, <laughs> like, can I just dig a hole right here and put stuff in it? You just go ask my parents, like, it's okay if I dig a hole and put stuff in it. Put what in it? Stuff. But what stuff? Because I think if I buy the bucket and put it in the house and I say, hey, like this is a de- uh-huh. designated place to put food so that it's not going in the garbage can and it seals, and my mom's going to be like, oh, okay, well, 
leave it outside. I think that's, that's we probably have to like put it mm-hmm. on the back porch, but even still, like just, you know, having, um, <laughs> I'm definitely, you know, paydays tomorrow. I'm going to go ahead and message you and yeah. to put my order in. That's so awesome. I and I, I really appreciate <laughs> your support once again, but, um, I want to also encourage you to have things like brown materials. And I have a video up that tells you what brown materials are, but like newspaper. If you know people use in your house, use newspaper a lot or paper, just have that on that. Come oh, on now. You know those coupons that come every Wednesday oh. that we yep. don't use and, and end up throwing Just away. be an ambassador okay. and don't even worry about it. Brooke, I know you'll be just fine. Because you're you're interested already, and that's the stepping stone right there. So, yep, congratulations for being sustainable. <laughs> you know what? On that note, thank you, <laughs> thank you nope. for coming on living the moment with me. So that was my interview with Najwa. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did talking to her about Sustained 8. Check out Sustained 8 on Instagram. There are very educational videos if you like farming, if you are a part of a community garden or want to become a part of a community garden, or even if you want to start your own backyard garden. This is the information that you need in order to do that. So please support Sustained 8. Also check out my Instagram page so that you can see my videos of Black and Small Buys with Brooklyn Dunn. That's all I have with, that's all I have for you today. I'll talk to you guys next episode. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. You can find me on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Also follow me on Instagram. The podcast page is litm.com. P-O-D-C-A-S-T, or follow my personal account, which is Brooklyn underscore Dunn. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-Y-N underscore D-U-N. So follow me and remember, be you, living your truth, and most importantly, live in a moment.